everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, you know me, I'm James. This is the Finch Show podcast. My guest on the show today is Mike Howard, um, who has been diligently working on a project called The Sport of Reporting, which is basically interviewing people who work in sports media, whether it's ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports, NBA TV, um, and getting into the background of what it is they do and how they get to that point, which I think is a really interesting perspective, um, especially being as big of a sports fan as I am. Uh, Mike Howard's a really, really great guy. Um, we did the podcast, and so therefore, I'm not going to talk anymore. Without further ado, here is Mike. All right. So I'm here with Mike Howard. Go by Mike Nice. Um, I find it really fascinating being a uh, big sports fan, as I am myself. I, I always find it interesting meeting and talking to other sports fans and sort of um, the journey they went through to get to that point. Um, for you, can you recall being into sports as much as you are when that kind of started for you? Uh, probably. So I was adopted at the age of four years old. So prior to that, you know, I really wasn't watching sports. So when I was adopted, um, well, actually Michael Jordan was, was, was my role model and even in foster care, cause my name was Cody. And then when I was adopted, I switched my name to Michael cause of Michael Jordan. So I would say probably at a young age, probably when three or four years old, when I, when I found out about Michael Jordan, um, that's when I really became involved in, in sports, I would say. So That's probably a, three or four years old. I love to hear that. You can't, um, because of my camera angle, you can't really see it, but this corner right here, that yeah. red, that's an yeah. autographed Michael Jordan jersey I got hanging up there. Oh, so. sweet. Sweet. <laughs> he's, lucky. Lucky. he's my absolute idol, too, from, uh, uh, I, I believe, the very first NBA game that I watched was game one of the 91 NBA Finals. Oh, okay. Prior to that, I'd never watched basketball before. And all of a sudden, you know, after dinner one night, my parents put it on. I'm like, we're watching basketball. They're like, yeah, the Bulls are in the championship. I'm like, really? I've yeah. never really watched basketball before. And then by the end of the game, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. Eat, sleep, breathe Bulls all through the 90s, 100. Of course, I'm, uh, I'm here in Freeport, Illinois. We're just about two hours outside Chicago. So everything here is Chicago sports. I'm wearing a Cubs hat right now, you know. Oh, yeah. um, what, um, out, of all the, out of all the major sports that are out there, which one's your favorite? Well, I watch uh, NBA. I don't watch NBA that much anymore. Ever since Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, he uh, retired back in 2016. I really don't, I haven't really been involved. Um, but basketball is my favorite sport, so I do try to follow up with the highlights. Um, I baseball. I grew up playing baseball before I played basketball, so I, you know, I'm a I'm a Red Sox fan, and uh, so I follow them too. So baseball and basketball are probably the two sports I juggle between. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not in depth, probably like you, I don't know, like the rosters, I don't know, like the trades <laughs> and stuff. I'm more of like the blockbuster highlight. I watch the ESPNs and Fox sports debates and follow up through them. Mm -hmm. I so. think for, for so many of us sports fans, I feel like a sports center was almost a soundtrack for our lives. You know, like I can go back to being like 
you know, eight, nine years old. And ever since then going on, it was like, you just always had sports center on every day. Oh yeah. Know? Waking went... up, going to school, getting ready to go on <laughs> yeah. the bus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Cause everybody, everybody at the bus stop was going to be talking about the highlights that morning. So you better be up to date on it. Know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's uh that's cool. That you're a Red Sox fan. I've uh, it's on my bucket list to get to Fenway. I've always, always, always wanted to go to Fenway. It's such an absolutely beautiful park. Um, I'm a, a Cubs fan primarily, but since about um, 2003, I've been following the Red Sox as well. They're kind of like my second favorite team. I've got Red Sox hats and sweatshirts and everything hanging up in the closet. And that's always my, uh, that's always my dream. I always sort of felt like um, if you compare the two, I kind of feel like the Cubs and the Red Sox are like sister teams, you know, like I feel like the Red Sox are the AL version of the Cubs and vice versa. Cause you've got the curses, the historic ballpark, that sort of, you know, scrappy attitude they've always had. So that that's cool. Right off the bat, we're, we're off to a good start. You're a Michael Jordan guy and you're a Red <laughs> oh, Sox yeah. fan. So that's awesome. If you'd have said you were a Cardinals fan, I might have to end this podcast right now. Ooh, but, um... <laughs> I'm a Red Sox. I always win a Red Sox. <laughs> good man. Good man. You're there in, uh, you're there in Connecticut, right? Right. So, right. I'm in New Haven. Uh, or Meriden, Connecticut. I just moved. So sometimes saying I'm a Red Sox fan isn't good around. Really? Really? New York. We have oh. a lot of New York Yankees fans. It's full. So it's, I have to be careful sometimes whether to say I'm a Red Sox fan or I just say I don't watch baseball. Oh, just represent. Who cares? Right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's true. My, uh, my dad grew up in uh, central Illinois that was like, if you were to draw a line from Chicago to St. Louis, the town he grew up in was like right smack in the middle of that line. Mm. And you could walk down the street and every single man either had a Cubs hat on or a Cardinals hat on. Oh, and wow. so, you know, I don't know how like turf warfare didn't break out every day, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, I'm interested, I'm very interested in uh, this project you've been doing. Um, mm -hmm. You want to tell me and tell the listeners about it? Right. So uh, just to give you a back end of like who I am. So I produce and host my own local talk show now for 15 years. I started my own talk show when I was a senior in high school. And I've been fortunate and lucky enough to interview all kinds of people from my local politicians to Russell Simmons, to Maya Angelou, to French chef Jacques Papel. So all over. So three years ago, I embarked on a project called The Sport of Reporting. I produced it, I directed it. And it was basically a project uh, allowed me to interview some of today's top sports journalists, hosts, sports writers that we see on Fox Sports, CBS Sports, ESPN. And, I, and I'm a huge sports fan, you're a huge sports fan, and we are so fortunate and lucky to see today's top sports journalists uh, hosts covering our favorite sports teams, interviewing our favorite players, athletes, but we hardly ever see them being interviewed. We hardly ever see them being on the hot seat, so to speak. So this project allowed me to get more in depth with our favorite sports journalists, um, kind of get the history of how they started in their career. If they had to choose between a colleague, they wanted to debate against who would it be, things like that. How do they get the access um, in the locker room before and after games, all those things that we sports fans sometimes want to know. So I embarked in a sport of reporting and I was emailing, texting, um, Facebooking, 
all kinds of sports journalists, reporters from all kinds of network, from NBA TV, from ESPN, from CBS Sports, and so forth. So some of them passed on the offer and said, no, no, thank you. Some of them said, you know, contact me back in a few months. And some of them said, yeah. And, you know, some of them said no. So the ones who got back to me, I was allowed uh, to make this project or not allow, I was, I was able, allowed is the wrong word because I'm in charge of the project. I, no one was like in charge of me saying you could do it. So allow, I was able to make the project. So uh, I, I started with Molly Kerm, then Chris Berm, then Stephen A. Smith. And then from there, I was like, those were the first three who were in the project. And then from there, I was like, well, I got Stephen, I got Molly, I got Chris, um, Chris Berman. I was like, let's see how many more I could get. So I was able to get up to 30, maybe 35 sports journalists wow. that we see on TV. Most of them, not most, but majority of them from ESPN. I have a lot from Fox Sports. I have Rob Parker. I got Chris Broussard. Um, so I have a lot from all different kinds of uh, sports network. And then I was able to make this project. And at first it was going to be a one-part project, but when the uh, pandemic happened, I was in the middle of making my project and I was still interviewing people and it so happened that I got like 25, I was up to 25 sports journalists. So I was like, I can make this a three-part project. So that's what I did. I made a three-part project and then I posted part one this past April and I'm working on part two now. Mm. And it's called the Sport of Reporting Part Two. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think you're 100% right. I think a lot of the, you know, we look at the anchors and we look at the people on ESPN and you think to yourself, well, that's not hard. Right. You sit down at a desk and talk about sports. Oh, it's right. really hard. It's oh, yeah. really hard to do. I can um, do it. Me personally, right. I would never be able to do that. But No, I'd sound like an idiot, you know. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I think uh, several years ago, gosh, they did, um, they do a reality show where people were competing um, to get a position like that and yeah, the rigors yeah. that they had to go through was just like you'd watch it and it gave you a whole new appreciation um, for what it is that goes on it's not just you put on a suit and you go in and you sit down and you go well the Red Sox beat the Yankees today five to one you know it's right. there's a that's so my you head's to, off to you, you have to analyze that. everything every mm -hmm. element of every game of every player Right. I mean, the, the knowledge you'd have to have, I mean, it would have to consume your life, right? Like the okay. more you'd have to sit there and be in the know of what's going on in every team and every league and every player. And that's just the, but that's really fascinating. I, I find that really, really interesting. The behind the scenes is to a lot, how a lot of that stuff happens. So you got to talk to Stephen A. Smith. Yes. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith, Molly Kerm, Skip Bayless, uh, you know, uh, Chris Berman, Chris Broussard, um Sarah Spain oh uh, yes Sarah Spain Jay yeah. Jay Harris Shelly's um Shelly Smith um Michael Eves a lot, lot of yeah a lot of the ones that we recognize and we see on TV <laughs> Sarah Sarah Spain and I um we go way back we used to chat in the MySpace days because <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> way back then because she's a she's a Chicago native um still lives in Chicago and uh, back then, I remember she she hadn't hit it big yet. She had the ability to, mm -hmm. you know, just hadn't quite gotten there yet. And so she was on MySpace and was running a MySpace page that was small and had a 
low following and I was doing a lot of Bears stuff for the Chicago Bears on um, MySpace at the time. <laughs> we had several conversations back and forth and eventually she got too big for me. Eventually, you know, her ability took her above and beyond and now I can't even get in touch with her anymore. Right, right, maybe, I'll, right. maybe I'll try to go back to MySpace and log in and send her a message. <laughs> and, hey, remember me? <laughs> I heard That's, MySpace is coming back. I, so, so rumor had it. So Really? Yeah. Well, the one thing about MySpace is it never gave our information to the Russians. So, I mean, you know, might as well give it another shot. That guy, that guy was good to us. And we, we threw him away like a dirty X for sure. We missed miss Tom. Yeah. <laughs> it was everybody's first real friend in right. social media was, was him. Um, I, I, interesting guy, Stephen Smith. Do you think, um, do you think he yells like that all the time? Like, do you think he gets up in the morning just yelling about his coffee? Cause that guy, he is, he is so boisterous. He cracks me up. No, right. No, I don't. I don't think he does. Um, the interview I had with him is is a totally different perspective of who he is. Who he is. Um, we really talked a lot about growing up, how he got involved in sports, sports in college, how he was doing the sports journalists uh, or head columns in college, and he got introduced to some of the big names in college. Um, I don't think he wakes up like that. I think, and he said this many of times. It's all about ratings. It's all about numbers um i will say this about steven you can hate him you can like him i'm i'm in the middle i'm neutral um but you love to watch him and you love to debate him mm -hmm. can't really say that about too many people too many sports journalists out there so you can say what you want but we love to listen to him so right. we love to and you know an average fan like you and i someone who's at the barbershop we will say 10 times out of 10 Oh, if I was Stephen, I would do this, or, or if I got a chance to debate to debate him, I would do this, and I want. So we we have that impression of him, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm one of the few people who could actually say, yeah, well, I didn't debate him, but I actually, you know, interviewed him and talked to him. So you know, I think I think I think he's a smart guy, and I think, in my opinion, he's the face of ESPN right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, not, even, and that's me being neutral. I'm not trying right. to. Right. <laughs> I think he is the face of um, ESPN right now. I think he's been the face for the past at least five years. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting you say that. I've kind of gone like a path with him. Like when he when he first got introduced, uh, you know, and was kind of making a big splash on ESPN for a long time, I was I was fairly turned off. I was just like, you know, and this is something, it, it, it's interesting. Like sports does this to people, right? Mm -hmm. Sports can get you so wound up that I remember like anytime I turn on ESPN and he was there and I'd be like, Oh my God, shut up, dude. Just mm -hmm. shut up. Um, mm -hmm. But as time has gone on, I've become to appreciate him a lot more. I, I do not deny the fact that he's an intelligent man. He's an extremely intelligent man. Um, and a lot of times you're and you're absolutely right. I, I think what he said about ratings is that that getting you wound up, especially if you disagree with them, that's mm -hmm. going to make you want to watch. Mm -hmm. So then you're watching, right? right. Yeah, it sucks right. you in, hundred um, percent. So I think now I've reached the point where I appreciate him for who he is. Um, I appreciate him for what he does. Uh, there are times I wish he wasn't on so nonstop, but that's not his fault, right? You know, ESPN's like, hey, this guy's popular. We need to put him on every show, right. every single channel. And I can't fault him for that. You know, the man's just making his money and doing his job. So you know, my hats off to him for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And um, it, what, what kind of disturbs me, not with him, but this and people in general that talks about Stephen or talks about any sports journalist or host that we see 
that are popular and famous, they get mad when they like predict things wrong. And then they say, well, Steven said they were going to win last night. And then last year they lost the series or he said they were going to win. Of sports journalists, especially the ones we see on TV, they're just like the weather people. They can get things wrong. Mm-hmm. And it happens. They're right. not psychics. Mm-hmm. So I just hate when fans like are just persecuting some of these sports journalists and not just Stephen A, everybody, um, and say, well, they got it wrong. So what? They're human. They're, they're, it's like the we don't say anything that much when the weather people get things wrong. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's 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 their job too. You know, they're you know, they get things wrong, they get things wrong. They don't know the outcome of the game until the outcome of until the outcome of the game. So right. Well, and if you could get things right in sports 100% of the time, you wouldn't need the job because you'd just be betting on Vegas every single day. Exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> you know? right. Right. And anybody, anybody out there who has ever played fantasy football knows there is no predictability, man. Like there are a million variables that go into the equation of every single game. And you may think like, oh, I got this one locked. I'm going to murder this guy. And then your quarterback gets injured in the first quarter Mm -hmm. or your running back gets injured in the first quarter and everything goes to shit. And then you're like, well, you know, so. (laughs) Or or nowadays, maybe your player uh, just got tested positive for COVID. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just just before the game and Brandon Cook is out, he tested positive for COVID. Right. (laughs) That's 100% true. Well, um, ESPN is, they are for sure like the flagship of sports right. in the United States. Like, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they've reached such such a huge status that it's like, you know, I, I even remember for years being a kid, and yeah, they were on, and people who are sports fans, you know, watched it, but it wasn't it wasn't the juggernaut that it is now where it's just this massive broad, I mean, to the point where I remember back in the day, you were like, you'd turn ESPN on at one o'clock in the morning and they'd be televising a men's softball game or something like that. Right. right. <laughs> and now it's like NFL games and NBA games. And it's just, man, that is, that is really crazy. So you got to, that's it. You guys to talked to Chris Berman too, huh? I got to talk to Chris Berman. Yep. Uh, he was really interested in that. at the time. We talked um, a lot about the nailing of the flag and the, some of the NFL players and, and how he got introduced to sports in his world. So he was, he was great too. Mm-hmm. He was great. Um, and then Rob Parker, Rob Parker, I flew out to California who now Chris Broussard and Rob Parker, they have the odd couple podcasts um, on Fox sports. And I uh, emailed him. I was like, Hey, I'll come out to see you. He's like, no, you don't have to come out. We can do it over the phone. And some of the interviews I have done in this uh, project is over the phone, but I would love to like sit down. If I could sit down with you or it could be a FaceTime, I'd rather have that than over the phone. So I was like, no, I'm willing to go up to California and interview. He's like, no, you don't have to do that. You know, you're coming from Connecticut. So I did that. And I think when he saw me for the first time, he was really surprised because like he was probably thinking, wow, he really did come. Like I literally left New Haven on Tuesday was in California on Wednesday, did the interview, and then came back Thursday morning. Like, I wasn't there to relax. I wasn't there. I didn't have any family there. So it was literally this boom, boom, boom. So, um, and I think that really shocked him. But, you know, you have to do what you have to do to get a good interview. So, but Rob Parker, um, I have interviewed George Rand. He was the first ESPN uh, anchor. So I have interviewed, like, I, I sent you a pitch off some again that one of my students, I'm a teacher, one of my students drew for me. I have interviewed right now the face of ESPN, in my opinion, Stephen A., and I have interviewed the pioneer, the first person 
uh, anchor. So it's it and and he's in this project too. He's in he's in he's going to be in part two or part three. So it's fascinating some of the people who I've interviewed. And again, like we these are sports journalists we see on TV, and we talk to ourselves like, oh, if I was him, I you know. And the fact that I got a chance to actually sit down and speak to them and kind of pick their care out pick their curiosity was fascinating mm-hmm. well especially since uh I, I i feel like sometimes you have to view it from the other side you know mm-hmm. and that's that's exactly what you're doing where right somebody can want somebody like Stephen a smith or chris berman or colin coward or something like that and say yep. man if i was that guy i would do this and this and this now imagine that you're sitting in that seat and every mm-hmm. single day you get on twitter you get on social media and there's thousands of people telling you what they would do differently if they were you. You right. know what I mean? That'd get awfully frustrating after all. Get, you'd get to the point where you wouldn't even want to go on Twitter. You'd be like, oh my God, these people. So yeah, a lot of that, and this is one of the things I love about um, the project that you're doing, is so much of this uh, sports entertainment that we consume, we, we completely take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, it completely gets lost on us, the amount of work, you, you know, that goes into it. Like, for example, if you hate someone, like Stephen A. Smith, you have to take into account everything that that man had to go through in his life to get to where he is now. All of the hard work he had to put in, all of the late nights he had to put in, everything he had to do to get there. And so when he's on, man, that's his show. All respect mm-hmm. to him. You know, he's doing what he loves and he got there and, you know, great for him. And I, like I said, I feel like we take that too much for granted sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to always pay respect to people who have worked hard, who have worked diligently throughout their career. So mm-hmm. that's, um, that's awesome that you flew out to California for that. That's I, I feel, I'm glad that we have stuff like Zoom and Skype. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've told people this before, when I first started doing this podcast two years ago, the number one rule that I had is that every single podcast that I did had to be in person, you know? And so right, for the right. first year I did podcasts, they were, they were always in person. It was always somebody who came over to my house or I went to them. Um, and then the pandemic happened mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. changed everything. Um, but on the flip side, getting to get down stuff like zoom and Skype and stuff like that has allowed me to open up the doors so much more because otherwise I, it was all 100% people who are local or at least people who I could drive to within a day you know, right. and get back so I could be to work. Um, but I, I feel like, like right now, you know, we're having a, a great conversation via Zoom, but there's just, you nailed it on the head. There is something so much different about in-person. Oh yeah. Like it's so much more personal. You're not dealing with this like screen of technology in between the two that kind of blocks it. So yeah, that's awesome. You did that. No, yeah. Well, it's different in all levels. So it's difference between in-person it's different between Zoom and then it's different between on the phone, which this project, I have a mixture of all of, of everything. And, um, you know, you could be speaking to the president of whatever country on the phone. It's different from actually interviewing that president in person. And even your listeners, they, they you could, where as people, you know that, you know, you, you can feel the difference between a Zoom interview or an in-person interview or over the phone. So... But in this, like I said, in this project, I have all three. And I guess at the end of the day, it's pretty good because I have little bits of everything and you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of um, perspective. So for sure, for sure. The, um, that is, that is so cool. That's, um, so you understand 100%, I feel like, um, the, the level of tenacity and almost doggedness 
it, it takes to do a project like the one you're doing where you're just like constantly emailing messaging calling checking messages all of that right oh absolutely in my opinion i don't think there's how can i in my opinion i don't think there's any interviewer any podcast that's on my level mm-hmm. and you know and that's not me being i'm not trying to brag or anything but like i you know i get it i've been doing this this project isn't something that like Oh, he got lucky. He got a few interviews. He got Stephen A. Like I've been doing this for 15 years mm-hmm. since my senior year in high school. So yes, I, I get it. Well, you have to have that level of confidence too. You know, if you're going into any kind of interview or anything like that, and you're in the back of your mind, you're like, God, I am terrible at this. I just, mm-hmm. okay, just try and get through it. That's going to reflect on the final product, right? Mm-hmm. You got to go into it with that confidence 100%. Um, mm-hmm. And excuse me, I feel like um, that's one of the things that I discovered uh, from doing this, this podcast is how many, I spend more time um, emailing and direct messaging and trying to get a hold of people than I do anything else around the podcast. Right. And, you know, a lot of times I'm sending, a lot, you know, sometimes you're just sending Hail Mary emails out there. You're like, I of might course. not have a chance at hell with this person. Yeah. But it's not going to hurt to send an email. And, you right. know, 90% of the time you never hear back. I, what you do hear back, half of them will say, get back to me later, or I'm not interested. And then you get those precious few. And even yeah. of those precious few that say, yes, I've literally had Zoom meetings scheduled and sat down and the person was a 100% no show. Me too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and oh, there, yeah. oh, and there's yeah. that that part of you that wants to message them and be like, "What the hell, man? Like, mm-hmm. you're wasting my time. We set this up, but you don't want to burn any bridges. You right. know, you just got to continue to be polite and be professional about it. Perhaps contact them later and be like, "Hey, sorry, I missed you the other day." Blah blah blah. And there's um, that's one of the things that that's interesting that I I've heard you talk about because. Uh, that wasn't something I expected to consume so much of my time when I started doing this, but it's 100% the case. Yeah. Like in my, I think, I think, first of all, I think you're, you're going to be great. Cause you kind of, you get it. You, you get the whole insightful, what you have to do to get a guest. It seems like you really got it. And you said you've been doing it for two years now, right? Yeah. I think two, well, two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Two and a half. Well, it seems like, it seems like you really got, it, which is great. And I always say like, I don't, I don't have a podcast. I don't even, my I don't even have a local talk show where I have it, but the studio has been closed for two years because of the COVID. Mm-hmm. But um, I always tell people like, you're going to find out if you're really a good podcaster, if you're a really good interviewer in the next five, 10 years, if you're still doing it, because mm-hmm. I can't speak to you, can't speak for you, but I don't get paid for what I do. So all the interviews I do, I don't get paid. So at the end of the day, it's going to be a true testament. Is this your passion or is this a hobby? It's just this uh, lust that you're doing for now. And, um, you know, that's that's why I pride myself because I've been doing this for 15 years, haven't got paid. I don't, thank God, I don't pay any of my guests, but it just shows you the testament of like what, at the end of the day, I want to be known as one of the greatest producers, interviewers of all time. Mm-hmm. I produce all my shows. I write all my stuff, Right. And I obviously I execute by interviewing. So I want to be known as one of the best producers slash interviews of all time. And like you said, my philosophy is how many no's are you willing to go through just to get that one? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And then once you get that one yes, how many more no's are you willing to go through <laughs> to get another yes? Right. That's, I mean, that's what it's about, especially mm-hmm. if you are like you and I, and we're on a local level and, you know, we're not a household name, like we're going to get a whole bunch of no's. And like you said, it gets frustrated. I always, when I get no's, I always say, well, I don't say it to them, but my mind, like, well, if I was Oprah, would you say no? If I was <laughs> like, I, I hate it. I get it. I get frustrated too, for real. But like yeah. you said, and this is this is the key thing that you said, you don't want to burn bridges. So mm-hmm. I have had so many people that say no to me and I have to relax and cool down and try again in a few months, whatever. And then most of the time I get the interview. But if I would have went sick and say, hey, if I was Oprah, would you? I would never got that interview. <laughs> right, so yeah. It, like you said, it's very important. You have to... St- you have to stay uh, balanced. You have to be even killed. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's also important, even if a lot of the people you're talking to, you know, maybe they know each other, maybe they don't, but it's mm-hmm. it's a smaller world than we think it is. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to, even in the smallest corner of the internet, get a reputation as somebody who's toxic mm-hmm. or difficult to work with, or you want to have, you want to, because on top of doing that, you're building a reputation, right? Right. You know, you're building a, a, a persona of who you are and who people view you as. And I've been lucky in the sense that I have had people who have been guests on the podcast purely because they were friends with somebody else who was on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And they messaged him and said, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I'd have somebody I'd asked to be on the podcast. And before they'd answer me, they'd email or contact a friend of theirs who was on and they'd be like, Oh my God, he's great. Yeah. He's really, really nice. And yeah, yep. go do it. You'll have so much fun. And then they may, yeah, sure. We'll do it. So the more you begin to build that, um, and that it, it's 100% true and it's difficult. You know, there were times and I'm, I don't know if you've ever been there, but there've been times doing this podcast in the past where I just, you know, you kind of look in the mirror and be like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is working. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm having the hardest time getting people to come on. I, same as you, I don't get paid for this at all. Um, I've been approached by sponsors throughout the year, every single throughout the years, every single one of them I've turned down. Um, because oh, right wow. now, I'm, well, yeah, well, right now I'm in this position where I don't want outside pressure on what I do. I don't want outside pressure on, you need to get this many views, you need to have this many downloads, right. you need to blah, blah, blah. Eventually, I want to get to a point where I can just dictate that to them. Versus somebody mm-hmm. coming to me and saying, hey, we'll give you X amount of money, provided this ad can reach this many people. Like, right. I'm not, I'm, I don't want that clutter in my brain right now. I just want to, this is a passion for me. I love sitting down talking to interesting people. Because um, my thing, and that's kind of why I let off talking with what I talked about, is that um, it, it occurred to me years and years ago, when I was in college at Northern Illinois University, I was a history major. Um on the flip side of that, I loved uh, movies. I loved comic books. I loved stuff like that. And it occurred to me that the the main thread that they all have is they're all stories, right? Right. You know, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, that's the d- distinguishing thing. It, right. it, it occurred to me throughout time that every single person you meet, like you, you go on your way to work and you stop at the gas station, you get gas, you go inside, you pay for it. That guy or that gal working behind the counter has a story. And no doubt, they probably got fascinating bits of their story. And it kind of occurred to me, like, if you really dug down, you could sit down and talk to anybody and have a fascinating conversation. Well, mostly mm-hmm. anybody. There's a few people out there, whatever. But I'm not going to get into <laughs> right. that. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, you're, you're incredibly passionate about it. And I think you couldn't be more correct that, you know, I think in the beginning, you take those noses bullets. 
you know, the first couple of times I got told no, um, that was kind of hard to swallow, mm-hmm. you know, and then eventually you just get kind of callous to it and you're like, whatever, move on. And then I'll try them again in a couple months. And yeah, I've had a couple because you're always trying to ride that line between being polite, uh, being persistent, but not being creepy. You know what I mean? That's the hardest part. It's like, you don't want right. to be like emailing somebody constantly to the point where they're like irritated. And they're like, oh my God, this, this person's weirding me out. I swear to God, they're stalking me. You don't want to come across as that. Right. Um, so I did want to ask you though, what yeah. um, I had watched your video on what happened with ESPN. Are you... Willing to tell that again and elaborate on it? Yeah, yeah. so uh, a few months ago in September, actually September was the second phone call, but the first official phone call was in May of this year. And I got a phone call from ESPN, from the uh, ESPN security saying, Michael, you got to stop calling. You can't, e- you can't email, you can't ask the PR and the publicist to um, interview our talents here. I'm like, why? Like, what did I do? Like, would I do anything? Because remind you, I was calling, emailing, Facebooking for the past three years, not just with ESPN, but with all the sports network, but ESPN was a part of it. And the past three years, there was no indication that I was violating anything. There was no indication that I was being rude. All the emails, all the messages were all professional. Um, like I said, I had a few people from ESPN say, well, right now she or he can't do it. Contact me, contact me back in two months. I'm really persistent. So I would definitely would contact them back in two months. Um, so they called me in May, said, you gotta stop doing it. I'm like, why, you know, why, why do I have to stop doing that? And it was like, well, they just don't wanna be part of your project. And it was like, you interviewed enough people. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm not gonna stop and who says I interviewed enough? You know, I'm, this is, I'm thinking this to myself when I'm speaking to the security. I'm like, it's not your job to say I had enough. If I had 10 interviews from ESPN or five or 15 or 50, that who says is enough, you know? So after that phone conversation, not gonna lie, I still went about it. I still emailed and still tried to get some of the ESPN um, anchors. And I got three, I don't wanna name their names because I don't wanna put them under the bus. But after that phone conversation, I did get three more ESPN sports anchors that were part of this project. And uh, I don't know, I feel like nowadays or not nowadays, looking back, it felt like ESPN sent this mass email saying, if Michael reaches out, don't do an interview. Like for whatever reason, I felt like that. I don't know if it's true or not, but. Um, so then this past September, I got another phone call from them saying, Michael, we told you to stop. It was the same guy. We told you to stop. Um, if you keep, if you actually are gonna pursue this, we're gonna bring the authorities involved, blah, 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 blah. And this was this past September. So since then I haven't, um, but I was just mind boggled. I was mind boggled why they did that. And you know, that video for your listeners, if they get a chance to watch it, that video, it's, I'm not telling anybody not to watch ESPN because in that video, I watch ESPN to this day. I watch ESPN. I watch their clips. I watch Stephen A. I watch the first take. So I'm not telling any, I, my situation was really unique. And I was just, I was kind of shocked why all of a sudden they just banned me from ESPN and I couldn't like contact any of their um, their talents anymore. But it's bittersweet because like I said, how many people can say 
they interviewed Stephen A. Smith. How many people can say they interviewed a pioneer of ESPN? How many people could say they interviewed Sarah Spain? Um, even Skip Bayless, who was from um, ESPN, now on Fox. So it was bittersweet. I got enough content for part two and part three. I got way, I got more than enough content. So, but like you want to keep interview, you want to interview as many people as you can. So like you don't have a number. I when I was going in this project, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to interview like 10 people from Fox, 10 people. From, no, I'm going to interview anybody I can, anybody who allows me to interview them. So the fact when he said, oh, you have enough, I'm like, who are you to say I have enough? I don't know. So, so they banned me. So as of now, I can't reach out to any ESPN um, talent. And like I said, I've been working with ESPN, NBA TV, Fox Sports, CBS, and they're the only ones who banned me. None of the NBA TV, CBS, Fox Sports. To this day, I can still reach out and try to get some more, you know, interviews for my project. But ESPN is the only one that banned me. Again, just to clarify to your listeners and viewers, not telling anybody to boycott, not telling anybody not to watch ESPN. I still watch ESPN. I watched some ESPN clips before we did this interview. Um, so I'm always watching ESPN. So I just my situation was really unique, and I thought. I should share that with everybody. And they weren't ever able to give you a good solid reason no. why. No, if you listen to the if you listen to it, I'm speaking to the to the security and he has like he can't even really give me a reason. I'm like, so why? What did I do? He's like, no, we just don't want you to. The reason was for him, I guess we don't want ESPN doesn't want me to contact them for whatever reason. And then they felt like I had enough, I guess, interview mm -hmm. from them. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was really bad. Like if you got the, the conversation is really intense. Cause I'm like, wow, I didn't do anything. And, and he even says, yep, you not, you haven't done anything. You haven't posed a threat or anything. He, like he says that, but he just says, ESPN wants you to stop. And you know, you don't have a, a, a valid excuse or reason. I feel like a person should keep doing what they're doing. Right. If they're not, hurt, if they're not hurting anybody, I'm not exposing ESPN in any kind of negative way. Right. So and that's why after the first conversation, I went on and still did it because I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. And then the second phone conversation, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want the authorities to be involved, even though my best friend says that would make a great story. ESPN trying to sue someone like me, you know, who has no money, you know what I mean? But Right. Well, I, and I don't understand, a, probably from that guy's perspective. He probably doesn't have a good reason. His boss probably just told him. Right. He's like, a security hey. guard. Yeah. He's yeah, right. He works for ESPN. Mm -hmm. And so, somebody right. probably told him. So he's, he's stuck. In, he's, yeah, he, he's stuck in that position to trying to make these phone calls. And like, right. you know, um, you feel bad for the guy, but on the flip side, yeah, you're 100% right. And uh, yeah. What do you mean? Get the authorities involved. What, I mean, I don't under, yeah. even understand what possible. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I wasn't as a black male in this country. I don't want to try to find out, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, maybe if I would have kept reaching out after the second phone call, the FBI or cops would have said, said, you know, came or contact me or whatever. And like I said, it's, it's, it's not worth it, but at the end of the day, I have enough content for part two and part three. I'm working on, I'm finishing my script for part two. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited because part two is going to, a lot more interviews, lot more content, a lot more behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, I'm happy. I was, I, like I said, it was a bittersweet situation, right? Because mm -hmm. how many people can say they have done this? And like, this has never been done. This project has never been done. And what I mean by this is an average person like you and I 
you haven't seen a person to give these many interviews with some of today's top sports journalists. And I say that because a person like you and I, when we interview Stephen A. Smith, when we interview Sarah Spain, our questions and the response is going to be different from if Stephen A. Smith was interviewing Skip Bayless, right? right? So if Stephen A. was interviewing Skip Bayless, different, different vibe, different answers, different response. But when an average person like you and I are interviewing them, different vibe, different response, different questions, mm -hmm. right? So that was the unique thing about it. And like, I haven't, I haven't seen anybody do a project like this ever. Like a person who's on the same platform as you and I, I have, I have yet seen that. So that's why this project was really special. Cause I was like, this hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. Well, there's kind of that veil that goes up in front of people when they're TV personalities, you know, whatever um, they're on the air, they're maybe not, I mean, they're still them, but they're doing yeah. their TV persona. But when they're having a conversation, um, like you said, with you, it's probably a lot more candid. That veil comes down. You get to see more of the person behind the person that you see on the air. So I, right. uh, yeah, I have to imagine that that's, and you're absolutely right. Like if Sarah Spain was interviewing Stephen A. Smith on Sports Center, that's different. one interview. You right. doing it is totally different. Right. Yeah. Or you doing it. Right. Correct. Correct. I was right. That's the unique thing about this project. Right. That is really cool. Um, wow. Yeah. That's the, the, the inner workings, the behind the scenes. That's, that's what, and everything that goes into doing that. Like, you know, I've, I've said before at the top of the podcast, I think people take that stuff for granted way too much. So that's uh, yeah. My hat's off to you. Cause that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating project. And uh, um I'm going to switch gears a little bit as we're yeah. getting down to the last quarter of the podcast here. Yep. Um, if you were, let's say, supreme emperor of the world, you could just be dictator and just make snap your fingers and make anything law. What's one thing you would change in sports right now? Uh, probably right now, uh, not to do the, um, not to do the, um, not the, not the, what is it? Standing for the flag. Like what I, now I'm lost. The, um, <laughs> the, what's uh, the song they sing? The national anthem. Oh, the national anthem. I wouldn't yeah. have, I wouldn't have any sport to the national anthem at all. Mm -hmm. at well, all. well, that, um, that's kind of one of those bizarre things where a lot of people have this impression that that's a time honored tradition. And in right. reality, they started that during world war two to sell war bonds, I think. You know, it wasn't even like it was an agreement that came between, I want to say originally the, um, I don't remember which sport it was. I think it was between the NFL and mm -hmm. the U.S. government to play the national anthem and have all the players come out and stand for it. You know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. it's not like a thing from, you know, the very first game of baseball or the very first professional game of basketball, that they were playing the national anthem. That's like sports worldwide timeline. That's a relatively new development. I don't think a lot of people realize that. And um, believe me, that was one of the things that drove me nuts about the whole kneeling thing is that um, I'm all about uh, being proud about where you come from. I'm all about if you want to express a level of patriotism, if you want to. However, that is not something that should ever be forced, mm -hmm. right? Like as a country, we should not be telling people that when the national anthem is playing or the flag is out, you have to stand or you have to cover your heart or you have to do right. this. Right. Because that's, you know, as we go on and on and on about how America's great because we have freedom, and yet you're not free to express your own freedom, right? right? 
Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. I mean, I could, we could literally do a three hour podcast, you and me of me just going absolutely ballistic about the anti-collar Kaepernick people, because it makes my head explode. Every time I think about it, I get so damn angry that that man got treated the way he did and that he basically got railroaded out of the NFL when he, which he shouldn't have. I mean, the guy was a phenomenal talent. You know, I don't know. We'd never know if he would have been necessarily hall of fame material, but even at a point in time where he wasn't playing, he was better than half the quarterbacks who were starting in the league. Okay. You know, and it just drove me nuts because it felt like he was politically being blackballed. He was politically being pushed out because teams didn't want to deal with the controversy or just decided that, you know, they didn't like him. And I had absolutely no problem with kneeling during the national anthem. I mean, if you want to take the national anthem for what it is, that's one of those things that throughout history has been a respectful way to protest. Right. 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 He right. didn't turn his back on the flag. Right. He didn't pull down his pants and moon the flag. Right. He just respectfully took a knee saying that I respect the flag, but I'm also protesting of some of what it represents as well. And I 100% supported that because I think he was 100% right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to pitch your business out on social media and you don't want people to judge and don't pitch your business out on social media, if you don't want people to express how they feel, then cut, then don't do the national anthem then. And if you mm-hmm. do do the national anthem, then you should allow anybody to express how they feel any way they want. Mm-hmm. As long as they're not, you know, degrading the flag or doing anything like that. But yeah. Right. And I, the whole, it frustrated <clears throat> me because somehow or another, um, and this is where I get a lot of people really mad somehow or another, the flag came to represent the, the U S military. And if you were disrespecting the flag, you were therefore disrespecting the U S military, which I felt like if we were having a public discourse, right. The side that was anti Colin Kaepernick, that was almost like a brilliant debate move because you just change what the debate is about rather than it being about police brutality, rather than it being about police reform, let's make it about this, overpaid rich athlete disrespecting the u.s soldier right like they they just completely changed the narrative of it overnight i mean just like that and all of a sudden that's all anybody could talk and then you see you see it right social media and everything flooded with all these memes and crap about disrespecting the american soldier and it's like how did we get there right how did it become that that's never what this was about to begin with yeah yeah Mm -hmm. no i i totally agree I, I interviewed Shelly Smith, who's part of the project, and she made a good point. She said her issue with this, with him, though, was, and I don't follow football, um, so I don't really know, like, the whole details, but I, her issue was he, w- in, he was inconsistent of what he was doing. So he nailed for the flag, but I guess there's times he had shirts on and socks saying, F the pigs, police, me and right. So she, her issue was... Um, he was inconsistent. So, and I can understand that if you're inconsistent, you know, if you're saying you're fighting for something, but then you're inconsistent, you're doing other stuff, then I could get why that get people, um, people attention, why people are, are, are fed up. But another thing is, and you know, it, at the end of the day, it goes to black and white. He's, you know, he's, he's mixed. And when I interviewed Chris Broussard, and this is all stuff I learned from some of the sports journalists. So when I interviewed Chris Broussard, he, we talked about the nailing and all this, and he brought up the point how Tim Tebow, he nailed for abortion and no one said anything. No one said, no, there was no headlines, no anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it comes to, 
Americans not understanding the full details, including me, because I don't know the full details. And then it comes down to it's still we still live in a racist world. It's mm-hmm. still a black and white thing. Right. So. Yeah, it's um, it's I, I t- try and tell people, OK, like, first of all, anybody needs to understand that the black white issue in this country is incredibly complex and you never know as much as you think you do. Never. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I try and tell people that because I throughout my life, I've gone through um, several eye opening experiences um when i was a kid and i mean a kid kid like when i was like four or five years old uh my only friend his name was frederick he was, was an african-american kid an african-american family that lived two doors down from me and mm-hmm. as a as a kid he was my only friend because i was prior to me even going to kindergarten you know we just played gi joes and transformers every right, day every right. day yep. we're still good friends he's actually been on this podcast before um and i felt like for a long time that that gave me um a better perspective on the african-american community and on some of the issues um however that changed significantly several years ago my sister um and her husband my brother-in-law uh adopted uh two children from haiti and watching them grow up and especially in a small town i mean we're talking small midwest town um some of the experiences that they've had to endure and have had to deal with has made me at times so incredibly angry. I wanted to give get in my car and drive to that town and start beating people over the head. I mean, some of the just like outwardly racist and nastiest crap that as a white kid, you would never have to endure, right? Like, for example, you know, I went, I grew up in small town America. Friday night football was the big thing, right? Every mm-hmm. Friday night, you had a big football game against another farm town, you know? And we're in this day and age now with social media where, you know, you've got these players from different teams talking smack to each other over Facebook and that's all fine and good. And then all of a sudden, once there's an African-American player involved, like racial slurs are getting thrown into it. And it's like, why? Like, why can't you just play football? Why can't, you know, this kid, he's a good kid. He got good grades, nicest kid in the world. And all, all the kid wants to do is go play football. Right. Right. Why does this have to be a part of it? Why do you have to start throwing these things out there? And then, of course, school administrations have to get involved and it becomes this huge, big thing. And boy, like I said, I tell people it's it's complex and um, you're better off listening. than you are talking Mm -hmm. like rather than knee jerk reaction to whatever you see and hear, take the time to listen because mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's elements to it that you haven't yet understood yet. And I'm part of that as well. I try really, really hard to listen to people and get a better appreciation of the perspective that they're coming from. But, um, you know, I forgot who, who I, I've heard it said multiple times that sports is a reflection of the country. Mm-hmm. Sports is a reflection of who we are as a people. And so any of these issues that we deal with in life, you see in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's racism, whether it's homophobia, whether it's dealing with this whole vaccine COVID issue, um, it uh, what we see, in the, it's a direct reflection of the society that it takes part in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> that was sorry. So. Sorry about the soapbox. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. You're right. I, my perspective is it's, it's a little bit different, but I, I agree with, you know, everything you, you said. But like, you know, I grew up. And I went to private school when I was the only black person. And I was fortunate that I didn't really, 
looking back, I don't think I faced anybody being racist towards me, but obviously as I got older, I experienced some stuff like that, but it's, 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 it is complex. Black and white is just complex. But then at the end of the day, you question like, should it be complex? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it even complex? It shouldn't be. We're we're, we're humans. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so no, I, I get it. I always say sports bring American people together. And I always say, um, when Americans are rooting for the color of the jerseys and not the skin, then that's a beautiful thing. You know, with mm-hmm. me and you, our Red Sox fan, we're we're rooting for the red, and somebody else is rooting for the Yankees. You know, Yankees have the black logo. When you're rooting for the color of the jerseys and not the skins, then that's that's a beautiful thing. That's a, that's a, that's very well put. I love that. That's uh that'll be the that'll be the note that we end on. Um, okay. before we go, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you at on all the platforms. So you can reach me at, uh, Instagram. It's the sport of reporting. My Facebook is Mike Howard. Um, my Instagram has a lot of the sport reporting content pictures and info in there. My Facebook is more personal, but it has a lot of the sports reporting as well. Uh, and then I had, I added a TikTok like a month ago. I only have a picture of my dog and then my uh, TikTok name is ESPN bands Mike Nice, and it has like the logo. <laughs> that's it. I don't even mess with TikTok like that. But like my students were like, "Yeah, you need to get a TikTok and yeah, blah blah blah." But um, and then my YouTube channel is the Sport of Reporting Part One. That's where you can catch the my films, my trailers. You can really catch everything. You can catch Part One. You can catch the video that you were speaking about about me getting banned from ESPN. So my YouTube is like the bread and butter um, for your listeners. And like I said, they could go to the sport of reporting part one on YouTube and catch a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and be on the lookout for sport of reporting part two, which will come at the end of next year, 2022. Fantastic. Well, Hey, we're going to let you go. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you giving me the time and this was a great interview and uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing more from you in the future. I appreciate it. Good luck with you. You seem like you're doing a good job. So keep focused. All right. I appreciate it, man. All right. Later. (laughs) Bye-bye. One, two, three. Okay. So that was the podcast with Mike Howard. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. I definitely enjoyed doing it. Um, He's absolutely fantastic guy. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. And if you could do me a favor, please like, and subscribe, share, tell a friend, tell them to tell a friend. And if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a spot to leave a review. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Every little bit helps. But I am going to go for now. We will catch you next time. Um, Until then, I want to say I love you and take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.